I title the message today, How Do I Know What God's Will Is for My Life? Okay? So if you're taking notes, I want you to understand today you've come in, and I think God's word today is to help us understand how to determine God's will for our life. All right, Genesis chapter 3, I want to begin there. It says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked a woman, did God really say you must not eat from the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat, God said. And God says, you must not eat or even touch it. And if you do, you'll be surely die. Of course, the servant says, you won't die to the woman. Verse 5, God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And this is the verse I want you to see. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful. And its fruit looked so delicious. It looked delicious. It looked, somebody say it looked delicious. Man, it looked good. You ever seen a plate of bacon? (laughs) Crispy bacon? Man, looks good. Man, (laughs) it looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit that looked so good and she ate it. And she gave some to her husband because it looked so good. Man, it looked good. It smelled good. And he was with her and he ate it too because it looked so delicious. Man, it looked good. At that moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame. There was a consequence to the decision they had made. They felt shame at their nakedness so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Here's a key truth about determining God's will for our life. Not every good thing is a God thing. Did you notice the fruit looked good? It didn't look like a gross piece of fruit because that would have been easy to not eat. It didn't have worms crawling all over it. It wasn't all bruised up and banged up. You know when you're picking fruit from the produce section at Publix or wherever you shop, you know, and, and it looks all banged up and you just take that one off and you keep looking for the good fruit. I don't think this piece of fruit looked bad. I mean, it looked good. Modern day, I think maybe if you were writing the Bible today in 2021, I don't know if Jesus would have used fruit. He would have used bacon. It just makes it more applicable to us. We get that. There's a smelly, uncured, maple bacon smell, and it looks so good. I mean, it just looked good, so delicious. And she's like, you've got to try some of this bacon. And then he ate the bacon. Does it make more sense how delicious it looked and smelled? I mean, maybe you don't like bacon. Maybe it's pancakes that you're into with the syrup and the stuff on top. Maybe it's a nice omelet. I don't know whatever looks delicious to you. Is it steak? Is it vegetables? Maybe it's kale. You know, you just, man, kale just gets me going. I don't know. But it looks so good. I want you to know when it comes to determining God's will for your life that not every good thing is a God thing. Just because it looks good doesn't mean it is good. I don't know about you, but sometimes when it comes to determining God's will for our life, it's not always as easy as we wish it would be. Sometimes it's, it's like a tension. If I put a plate of bacon up here and a plate of pancakes up here, and I say, which one is healthier? 
it might be a split decision in the room. And I think sometimes God's will feels like that. It's like hard to figure out. And I'm trying to navigate what God wants, but it's, it's hard to determine which way to go. And I find that to be a genuine tension for a lot of us. And if we thought, well, whatever's good is God. Well, this fruit looked really good. And by the way, that was the tree that God created. So he didn't say don't eat from the tree that looks bad and the fruit that looks terrible. Just remember that God put a good-looking tree with good-looking fruit in the middle of the garden. Not every good thing is a God thing. And yet sometimes when we think about the will of God, it's, it's easy to think, well, it's God's will. I've often said this, that sometimes I, I rarely get people having to pray about a promotion. You celebrate the promotion, but not every good thing, come on, church, is a God thing. Not every good thing is a God thing. So when you're considering what God's will is for your life, just remember that. It doesn't mean that good things aren't from God. Just not every good thing is a God thing. I want to talk to you about how to determine God's will for your life. Today I'm going to give you three things that can help you. I didn't say like this is the solution. This is just to help you determine what God's will is for your life. The good news is Paul writes about this to a letter to some people in Rome. If you have your Bible, Romans chapter 11 is where I want to preach from. Romans 11, we're going to go into, verse, into chapter 12 as well. I'll start in verse 33 of Romans chapter 11. Paul writes, Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. Oh, how great he is. How impossible is the word he uses. It is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? I mean, you can't give God advice like he doesn't know. And who has given him so much that he needs to, be, that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power. And everything, here's a snippet of his, of his will, is intended for his glory. So we call these things sometimes about general wills. One of the general wills of God that's true for everybody is that everything you do would bring glory to God because everything on earth is intended to bring glory to God. So that is part of his will. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. That sentence is an obvious one because you said everything's intended for his glory. All glory to God. But there's a conjunction that starts off chapter 12. And it's this that joins chapter 11. And it's an and. So grammar is matter when you study. The grammar matters. And so, dear brothers and sisters. In other words, as a result of everything I just wrote to you, from, from chapters 1 through 11, as I transition this letter to you, and so, based off everything I've previously told you, brothers and sisters, I'm pleading with you today. Interesting language. And his, his plead is that this group of people, this brave family, this body of people here watching online and here in audience today, his, he's pleading 
that you would give your bodies to God. So we're all getting tattoos today. Got a tattoo artist, he's ready to go. Just joking. Because of all that he has done for you, he says, let them, these bodies, be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind you will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. How? To give your whole body. Verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person. A new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn. Then you will learn. Then, then you will learn. After you've done these things that I've just told you, then you will know. Then you will learn. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. You will learn. You will learn to know God's will. God's will won't always be unfolded to you in a second. You'll have to learn it. So you have to learn the will. And by the way, the will that God has for your life is good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. God's will for your life is perfect. And it's pleasing, and it's good. It's perfect. Right on time. This is God's will for your life. There are three parts that I want you to pay attention to in these verses, and we'll go back to these to reference these. Go back to 12 verse 1 if you have it up for me. Number one, give your body. There are three parts that Paul writes that must be given to the Lord in order to determine his will. And the first one is you've got to give your body. The word, the, the word give is a verb here, by the way. And it means to present once and for all. It means to present once and all. It, it's, it's basically was a word in Greek language that was used to symbolize marriage. When a wife or a husband, you know, they would come together and they would give their lives to each other once and for all. Done deal. My body, Lord, is yours. Once and for all. I'm committed. I'm in. My body belongs to you. Paul says it's a living and holy sacrifice. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Romans 6.13 Do not let any part of your body Become an instrument of evil to serve sin. So your body is an instrument. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right. Here's the will for the glory of God. Here's the best picture of what a living sacrifice looks like. And the writer of Hebrews writes this in Hebrews 10. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice, now watch, of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Christ gave his body once for all. Jesus had to leave heaven, take on a body, and give his body in order to fulfill the will of the Father. If you want to learn and determine what God's will is for your life, you must ask yourself this question. 
have I given him my body? Have you given God your body? For the payment of the sins of the world, Jesus had to give his body. Here's a practical application to that. Have you given God your hands? Would you just take your palms and look at your hands? Now just think about this for a minute to apply this truth to your life. If you want to determine what, Lord, I want you to show me your will for my life, but I will not give you my hands. Now think, let's think about the work you do with your hands, maybe. Does God have your work? Or it's my work. It's what I want to do. Think about, God, I'm giving you my body. I'm giving you my hands. I'm giving you my mind. I'm giving you whatever you want to do with this body that you made, do it. If you struggle knowing God's will for your life, it may be because you haven't given him your body. It would be like me telling you to play the drums, but I'm not going to give you drums. I'm not going to give you the guitar. Would you play the guitar? Nope. But I won't put a guitar in your hand. So it's, it's like saying, God, do something in my life, but you can't have my body. If Jesus had told the Father, you can't have my body, your sins wouldn't be paid for. So Jesus said, you can have my body. My whole body. Whatever you want to do in my life. Whatever you want to do with these hands. When I go to the office this week, do what you want with my mouth. It's a part of my body. Whatever you want me to say, whatever you want me to do at this office, at this place, or this job, or in this field, whatever you want. You want me to leave the field with my body and go somewhere else? I will leave the field and go to a new place. This is your instrument. Play me how you want to. If you want God's will done in your life, it's going to require you giving your body. That's the only way that Jesus was able to fulfill the will of the Father. He had to give his body. Have I given my body? Number two, give your mind. Go back to verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 2. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you to a new person by changing the way you think. The word transform is where we get the English word metamorphosis from. It describes a change from within. It is this idea that you become transformed. When God controls your thinking, you're not a conformer, you're a transformer. And I can't help but to think about transformers. Obviously. <laughs> obviously. If the world controls your thinking, you're a conformer. When God controls your thinking, you have been transformed. Let me give you the best example of that. And you're transformed, by the way, into his likeness. Here's an example that I wrote down. I think this is applicable and it helps us make sense. 
What do you do when you're four years old? You go to VPK. Now, now just follow the process here. After VPK, what do you do? Go to kindergarten. And after kindergarten, and after first grade, come on. And then? Some of you are confused. You're like, I didn't even know this. <laughs> okay, after middle school, what do you do? And after high school, what do you do? College job, right? Military, I don't know. But we follow this progression, don't we? You know, we follow this progression. Where is that in the Bible? Did you ever look at first grade? Do you see third grade? Ninth grade? College? It's a pattern of the world. I'm not saying we shouldn't go to school, obviously. What I am saying to you is that we follow a custom of the world. And the purpose of going to high school and college is to eventually get a degree and then get a, right, a career, a job, so that eventually you can get money and then buy a house and then have a family and then retire. This is the pattern of the world. This is, this is the conformity. This is how we conform to the world, right? And I'm, I'm for education. I'm for college and all that stuff, obviously. But here, I just, I just help, couldn't help but to think about this and how the world, and I grew up in the world. I don't know if you did. I grew up in the world. And in the world and in school, and for most of my life, I never saw this in a textbook. I didn't hear a lot of this. I heard the question a lot in that process, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to be? What do you want to do? What do you want to be? What do you want to do? You can be whatever you want to be. You can do whatever you want to do. It's all about you. And you wonder why your kids grow up thinking it's all about them. Because we're telling them it's really all about you. Whatever you want to do, whatever you decide, whatever makes you happy, whatever you want to do, it's all about you. What if we put this in to our children's hearts and minds at a young age? What if this was, was put in our minds? What if this put was in my mind? I was just kind of reflecting on this. The pattern of the world, the way we go through our education process, the way we go through our system, that's the pattern of the world. And I just thought about, how would it look if people would just stop and ask in that process, what does God want for my life? As a parent, your job is not to send your kids to college. I want to set a parent and people watching online free today of this. Your job, according to Scripture, is not to get them to get to college for free or even graduate college. College is fine, but that is not the goal. The goal is not a profession that makes money and brings good jobs so they can have false sense of security. 
goal for a parent, every parent, including myself, is to help the child discover the will of God for their life. So let's change our language. What does God want to do through you in your life? Not what do you want to do with your life. What does God want to do in your life? What is God leading you to do? Who is God leading you to be? The Lord's calling me out of school, Dad. Wrong! (laughs) That is not the will of God. But what if he's 14 years old and says, God is calling me to go to a mission field? You know, I'm not saying don't, but God is calling me. God is leading me to start this. God is leading me to do this. God's leading me in this direction. When you begin to put your child in a position and even ourselves into the will of God, and then your job as a parent to help them fulfill the will of God. It's like a lot of little ministers in your home. We have four of them. I don't know how you have, but they're little ministers of the gospel. And my job as a as a, as a kind of mission sender, is to equip them so they can carry out the work of Christ. Do you think like this when it comes to your children? Here's what I know. I grew up in the world too. Most parents don't think that way. We think about getting them to school and to college and out of our house as soon as possible. Amen. You know, but when they're kind of ready at the same time, it's like this tension. I just want to encourage you to think about a new way of thinking. Don't follow the patterns of the world. The patterns of the world teach God's faith stuff is kind of quiet. I want your home. I want those who attend our church family. I want the believer's home. And I believe Paul and God is calling you and your life to say it is not the pattern of the world. No, we are transformed. We don't think like the world. It's about me. No, it's about Christ. What does God want to do through your life? If what I have preached to you changes the way that you speak to your children from this day forward, I will consider this message a success. What does Christ want to do in your life? I don't know, Mom. I don't know, Dad. Go pray and find out. I prayed, and he told me, you're supposed to take care of me. Amen. (laughs) You need to get a good job because... I want to retire soon. Amen. All right. All right. Number three, give your will. You got to give your body. You got to give your mind. You got to give your will. His power, by the way, gives us two types of power. It gives us willpower and won't power. Have you ever tried to get over something with willpower? Don't touch that. It's willpower. Victory today, and then I lose tomorrow. Willpower. That's willpower. Jesus' power gives you willpower and won't power. He also gives you the power to not do it. He gives you the willpower, the won't power. I don't want that. It's it's the power of God that transforms you. Look what the verse says, and and go back to the text, uh, verse 2 and 3. It says, Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, is pleasing, and is perfect. God's will for you. You have to give your will. How do you give your will? Matthew 6. Jesus teaches the disciples about prayer, and he says, 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Jesus was not instructing his disciples what to say. It never says that this is what to say. He says, pray like this. Jesus didn't say, pray this. He said, pray like this. This is how you should pray. I'm not telling you to what go repeat. I'm not telling you this is what you should go say. I'm telling you this is how you should pray. This is how you pray. Father, your will be done in my life. And if you're going to pray God's will to be done in your life, then you have to give your will and your plans. You have to give your will. To know his will, you have to surrender your own. Lay down your plans and follow his plans. Surrender over your body, your mind, and your will. And by the way, that's very important to understand because the way this works is your will tells your mind what to do and then your mind tells your body what to do. You ever yelled at a video game because it didn't do something that you told it to do? You're not jumping! Because you didn't press B. (laughs) You understand? You have to first be transformed in your soul then speaks to your mind and comes out of your mouth. If you want to help kind of determine what God's will is for your life, even in different seasons, what God's will is, what is God wanting to do? Have I given my body? Am I really giving myself over to him? Have I given him my mind? Am I I allowing him to change the way that I think? Have I given him my will? That's where it starts. Lord, you can have my life. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you say. Fully abandoned. And I'm going to trust you that your will is perfect. It's pleasing. It's good. Don't try to help your child figure out what they want to do before you send them to God. You really want to be a soccer player, don't you? That's what I've been saying to my kids. Come on. I mean, I know you really want to, right? We try to shift our will for our children. Send them to the Father. His will is perfect. Yours is not. His will is perfect. He knows just what he has destined you and your child to become. And it's perfect. If you need help determining God's will for your life, ask yourself those questions. Does he have your body? Does he have your mind? And does he have your will? Really? You do that, and I believe it will help us. The reason why this message is so important for us to understand today is because Satan's will is to destroy your life. God's will is to give you life. That'll forever be the tension that we face. Satan is trying to destroy the will. God's trying to fulfill his will. John 10.10 The thief comes to only steal and kill and destroy. But I, Jesus, have come that you might have life and have it to the full. God wants you to finish the race. Satan wants you to be cut short. He wants to cut short your race. 
His whole objective is to make sure you don't fulfill to completion the will of God for your life. He'll even let you get away with it for a season, but he'll keep on gnawing at you because the last thing he wants you to do is to fulfill the will. Even if he he knows you're going to heaven, but he got you to 50% of the will, he won. Because you didn't fulfill the fullness of the Father's will for your life. Isn't that what Satan did with Jesus in Matthew chapter 4? Jesus was on his way to fulfill the will. He started the ministry. Age of 30 years old, he's beginning to come out and share who he is. And the, the enemy shows up, the thief, and tries to get in the way of Jesus fulfilling the Father's will. And the Father's will was this, that he would die for you. John chapter 6 says this. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, even though you've seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. Jesus, both fully God and fully man, had all the power to do whatever he wanted. The Father had given him full authority. He could predestine those lottery numbers to be whatever he wanted them. He could be whatever athlete he wanted to be. Do you realize how fast Jesus could run if he wanted to? How high he could jump if he wanted to? And yet Jesus who held all the power in his hands. Set it down to fulfill the will of God. Jesus showed up and said, I am not here to do what I want. I'm here to fulfill the will of God. Wonder what that will was? And this is the will of God. No debate. This is the will of God. That I should not lose even one of all of those he has given me. But I should raise them up on the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. And I will raise them up the last day. Jesus' whole will, his Father's will, became his will. And the will was to give his body to a cross so that you could have eternal life. He lived his whole life to do that for you and for me. That was his will. And he gave his life for it. And he surrendered his will to the Father so that you could have 
life, that life to the full, that you would be free. And that's why Christ died for you, because he loves you. He is so deeply in love with you. He thinks the world about you. He gets excited when he thinks about who you are. Man, he adores you. And he can't wait to sit at a table with you in heaven. He went to prepare a place for you and for me. And he loves you. He's so in love with you that he gave up his life. He surrendered his plans so that you could have life. It's the love of a father. It's Jesus. Today he wants you to know his will. He doesn't want to keep you from his will. He wants you to know his will. You are his creation. You're his daughter and you're his son. And your daughters and your sons, your grandchildren, he too wants them to know his will. Help them discern God's will. I'll wrap up with the final illustration. You ever seen those hidden pictures? You know, the kind of the illusion, 3D, you got to stare at them for a while. I was on my phone to this morning, and I don't have the picture up on the screen, or do we? I don't know if we do, Eric. Oh, we do. Do you see Jesus in there? I don't. <laughs> do you see him? There's a, there's a cross, and it's Jesus. So I was looking at this picture, and I've been doing this since yesterday, and I can't see him. So I go to my wife, and I'm like, do you see, do you see Jesus? Is this a joke? And in a second, she goes, oh, he's right there, the cross. And she takes her finger, and she's like, oh, it's at the top. You see him? He's at the top. You don't see that? I said, no, I don't see that. But I'm telling you, this was our conversation getting ready for church this morning. He's like, you know, you don't see, it's a cross. And, and then I showed her a different one. And my wife was like, oh, there he is again. And because there's multiples of these. And I said, are you joking? Are you toying with me? Like, are you serious? No, he's right there. There's a cross, and there's Jesus. You just got to stare at it, Ricky. You just got to stare at it. So I grabbed my phone, and I'm like, and I'm, she's like, then she said, like a joke, she's like, you got to go cross-eyed. So I'm crossing my eyes, then I'm taking off my glasses, crossing my, looking like an idiot, like, and I can't see it. And God gave me a picture that this is often what it's like for many of you in trying to determine the will of God. But here's the beauty of the local church. Why do we need church? Because there are brothers and sisters around you that God will place around you to help you see the will of God when you can't see it. So I told Carissa, I said, draw it out for me. Take your finger. So she got behind me. You know, where you try to get, she's trying to see what I'm seeing. She's like, you see it? I'm like, and I'm wanting to lie. Like, yeah, yeah, I see it. No, I don't see it. I don't see it. And, and she's like taking her finger and she starts to draw it out. I'm like, I, I kind of see it. But I still can't see it. And I still can't see it. But by faith, I, I thought it will be a miracle. I'm like, I see it now. You don't see it? But I still don't see it. But I, I'm like, but here's the point. 
but I'm going to keep looking at the cross because I trust what Paul wrote in Romans 12. If I just keep giving my body, if I just keep giving my mind, the will of God will be learned over time. And sometimes it's like this image. It takes a while. But if you stay persistent in pursuing Jesus Christ, he will reveal his will for your life. But you got to stay focused on the cross. And when you can't see it, nudge your neighbor. Go ahead. Do you see it? Do you see it? Anybody in the room see it? No. You see it? Are you lying? You see it? Three? He's operating on a whole different spiritual realm. You don't see the, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit? The dove is descending. This is the church. This is what the church is created to do. Listen to me. To help you determine God's will for your life when you can't see it. To help you. That's what God gave spiritual authority and insight with people around you to help you, to pray with you, to stand with you as you pursue God's will for your life. We pray together, church. Jesus, we want to know your will. Right where you are. Just open your palms facing up. And as a symbolic way, your body, Jesus, I want to know your will. Now I want to invite you to do this. Wherever you are, watching online or here in person, just ready whenever you're ready I want you to tell God you can have my body if you need to repent and say God you have not had my body but I'm giving it to you today give it to him God I'm giving you my mind I'm giving you my will I want you to tell him and he wants you to tell him giving it to you. Hear Jesus tell you this as, as, as much in love with you as he is. Just hear the Father. If you would just say these words through my voice. Give it to me. Give me your body. Give me your mind. Give me your will. Trust me. Just trust me. Jesus said, Satan, I do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. Do not tempt or test the Lord your God. And with God's word, Jesus cast aside Satan out of that wilderness 
And after that 40 days, Jesus marched on to fulfill the will of the Father, to give his life for you, that you would have access to eternal life through him. Today, God wants you to give him your life and your will. Thank you, Jesus, for trusting you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen.